Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends get drunk and talk about gruesome murders. Each week we pick a different drink whose name or ingredients set the tone for our stories. Alright, welcome to another episode of Killer Cocktails. This is Drea. This is Jackie. And this week we are sipping on some hot toddies. Hot toddies. I would put this in the lukewarm toddies category. All right. So it, it took us a little bit to get all the ingredients. <laughs> we didn't know what we were doing, so you're learning as you go. It was that goddamn honey. Yeah, I will. As the honey, as the, I was the beekeeper in there, and <laughs> that was tricky. Yeah, it's uh, you figured out that honey uh, is hard to measure. Is it is viscous the right word? Yeah. It's thick. <laughs> uh-huh. I, it, it, honey's difficult to work with. Mm-hmm. I was concerned, like, we got a little measuring spoon out, and yeah. we're like, here's a teaspoon, but then it's like, there's still so much honey left on there, yeah. but there's so much extra on it. It's so convoluted. Just it fucking was... put honey in your hot toddy as you like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. We are drinking hot toddies, and it's cold, and it's delightful. Or it's cold outside. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Our drinks are lukewarm. It's great. Um, so we're going to jump right into the history of the hot toddy. Okay. Um, so the hot toddy, also known as a hot whiskey in Scotland. Okay. It's typically... A hot a- whiskey. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, am I in Scotland? How did I get here? Um, so it's typically, typically a mixed drink made of uh, liquor and water with uh, honey. Or you can add some like sugar and herbs and spices, um, which we're actually going to do midway through. So yeah, we uh, made boring ones to begin with. Well, traditional. We made traditional um and they're good they're they're simple i i this is i like it yeah yeah um so hot toddy recipes vary and are traditionally drunk before retiring for the night or um when it's wet or cold outside so this is perfect weather and some believe the drink relieves the symptoms of the cold or the flu Mm. and um yeah i think it's very tasty. Um, so for our first recipe, we did the classical uh, hot toddy. So we did three-fourths cup of hot water, one and a half ounces of whiskey, two teaspoons of honey, <laughs> and two teaspoons of lemon juice, and then we uh, put a little bit of um, ground cinnamon on the top. Did you heat the lemon juice? I did not. I don't know why I thought you did. You didn't. I didn't. The just only thing I the heated up was the water. Okay. Yeah. You just came from the area where you had made hot water. Yes. So. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So you're going to want to heat your water and then you're going to pour that into your mug and then you're going to add the whiskey, the honey, the lemon juice. Okay. So <clears throat> I had asked about this and then we decided to go lazy instead. Mm-hmm. What a good bartender will do is they will take your glassware, they will heat up water, They'll pour hot water in the glass to heat the glass. Mm. Then they dump that out. Yeah. Then they put the hot. I think we'd have much hotter drinks if we had been keeping hot on the top of our list. Yeah. Which we didn't. Which I think I agree with you. I don't like super hot things because they're not drinkable. Yeah. You can't drink. I have a baby mouth and I can't. I don't like a lot of spice (laughs) and I can't do a lot of hot. And so when I drink coffee or tea, I have to wait until it gets lukewarm and then i have a finite amount of time to drink it before it's cold so it's it's a rush to the end well, for and, me. and glassware like this like when you get a coffee in a restaurant it mm-hmm. comes in a glass mug i'm always like ugh, it's not gonna retain the thanks heat thanks for this cold cup of coffee yeah because yeah. it just doesn't it looks cool yeah well I'll the drink i just made katie I, it had that double walled glass mm, so it does okay. keep it so if we did it something like that yeah but yeah it's interesting that the hot toddy comes into this glass well, it's pretty. Oh, yeah. That's too. Uh, this is just a hot drinks glass. We were talking earlier in the kitchen. Like, you can do, like, when I see this glass, I think, uh, what do you call them? 
Irish coffees? Irish coffees at the mm-hmm. Buena Vista out in yeah. San Francisco. Ooh, that's a nice little memory. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so... I had one with my mom. Aw. She was sweet. like, we were in the city. I don't remember what we were doing. Hi, Kit. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, she's like, ooh, we got, like, it was her thing. She's like, we got to go get Irish coffees at the Buena Vista. I was like, okay. Yeah. It was a whole little, it was cool. That's nice. You know who likes Spanish coffees? Who's that? Christina. She's all, all right. about those Spanish coffees. She wants to make us mojitos, uh-huh. and she likes Spanish coffees, apparently. Yeah, she says McMinimins has great ones. All right. Yeah. Um, okay, so back to the recipe. You have essentially all your ingredients in the glass, um, so you want to uh, stir that up until you see the honey is completely dissolved, and then um, you're going to put the garnish on there. You could put, like, a little lemon round on there or a cinnamon stick if you want to get fancy. Should I have done the honey first? Should the honey be sitting in the bottom of the glass and you add hot water to it? I think maybe the next one we'll try that, but yeah. it definitely said it how I said it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't go rogue. No, I didn't go rogue. Um, but yeah, so that's your traditional hot toddy. Ooh, Jackie, you want to talk about the whiskey we used? Oh, you always ask me when it's around the corner. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it's called Colonel E.H. You want to go grab it? Hufflepuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I'll grab it. Slytherin. We'll, okay. Uh, it is Colonel E.H. Taylor Small Batch. Ooh. So it's from the same distiller. It's uh, Buffalo Trace, mm-hmm. which Ben had told me about, which is kind of a nice economic. You don't want to spend a ton, but you want a tasty bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, this is good. I liked it. You know, um, before this podcast, I would have told anyone and everyone that I hated whiskey and bourbon, but I'm finding out that I, that I, do like I quite it. enjoy them. Yeah. I would have told anyone before this podcast that I hated gin. <gasps> I don't think I hate gin. Look at us. It's not my go-to drink. Yeah. But I, I don't think I'd loathe it like I thought I did. Um, so these are delicious. Um, we do hope that you are making these along with us. Take a picture of your cocktail and um, tag us in it on Instagram or our Twitter. Um, and we will post it to our social media because we want to oh, hear sure. how you like the recipe. If you have a different version, hit us, hit us up at Killer Cocktails Podcast uh, at gmail.com or Instagram or Twitter, Killer Cocktails Podcast. Thank you, Drea, for braving the Twitter world. Back to murder. <laughs> okay, so hot toddies is our drink. Yes. And originally I had a whole other m- murder picked. Like, yeah. I, like, yeah, I was going to do it on this Todd Jackie on messaged this me guy. like two hours beforehand and was like, who's your murder? And I was like, I'm not fucking telling you. Because we you always want to make sure we're not doing the same one. It's like, you can't trick me, Jacqueline. <laughs> I'd laugh pretty hard at that. Um, but yeah, no, you decided to switch it up decided, and you went yeah, a different I just, way. I got caught. A, a different wind caught me. All right. I'm going to tell you about... Berry and Honey Sherman. That's what I did. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) That's outrageous. It's like, wow, you fucking said somebody else. (laughs) Jesus. Oh, my Uh, God. That was fun for me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Berry and his wife. Honey Sherman. So okay. I went honey, honey. off the hot toddy. Okay. Um, okay, so this is not that long ago. Okay. Uh, let's give you a little bit of backstory. So Barry was like born in, I'll call it the 40s, and he had a, he, like his dad worked for like a zipper company, and his mom was, I think, an occupational therapist, 
and none of that really matters to the story at all. He had an uncle who owned and ran a, uh, like a generic knockoff pharmaceutical company. So this is up in Canada. So mm-hmm. holla out to our Canadian listeners. <laughs> um, so the uncle has this company. So uh, Barry goes to college. He gets his master's. He gets his uh, PhD. Like he finally graduates, I think, in like 67 or so. Um, the uncle has four kids and the uncle dies. Okay. And has the four kids are, uh, they're minors. So he has this company that's worth, like at that time, I think they were making a million dollars a year. Dang. In In late 60s, early 70s, late 60s. And Barry, who now like has money has a, like he's older than these kids are so he the the dad had set up a trust for the kids yeah, there were these two lawyers and they had a trust and he had left each kid five percent stake in the company yeah uh but the kids didn't they're kids so they don't know about that so they've got these lawyers who are handling everything for them and barry kind of like swindles he Gets these lawyers in this trust to agree to sell him his uncle's company. What for like two hundred and twenty grand? Like, not you know when you like when you watch Shark Tank and they're yeah. like evalu- like evaluating their company and they're yeah, like, yeah. okay, if I'm buying it for this percentage and you're saying it's worth that much, so he buys it for pennies from on the, the lawyers dollar from the trust. Oh, okay. So the idea is that he buys it from them at this way undervalued cost, so yeah. the kids don't make what they should be making on it. Yeah. Um, and so I think the deal in the, in the trust was that they were, that each were supposed to have 5% and then they were supposed to have royalties on like four of the biggest name brands, I think name brand generics. Yeah. Um, but so anyway, he kind of like the cousins, like his cousins obviously feel like he robbed them. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm just being a shrewd businessman. I got these lawyers to agree to sell it to me at this price from your family. Yeah. Okay. So then he runs, like, he runs this, like, he is a shrewd businessman. Like, what he kind of comes to be known by, he's in, at any given time, a hundred different lawsuits. Oh, that sounds familiar. So, (laughs) so he uh, is always in these lawsuits, and he'll, he paints it in this way where it's like, I'm fighting for the little guy. I've got this generic, this generic drug company, and I'm constantly suing, uh, Glaxo Smith Klein, and uh, I'm suing the big guys so that I can make the same drugs for cheaper. I'm trying mm-hmm. to help you guys. So he looks like this kind of crusader. Yeah. But at the same time that he's suing these big giant corporations, it's just because he wants to sell his drugs. Yeah. He's also suing doctors that say that his drugs have side effects. And it's like he's all over the place with these lawsuits. Yeah. So uh, he then sells that company and get, and he starts this other one and the other one is the one that like really takes off. Okay. So later on when these cousins sue him, they're suing him for 5% stake each From in the, in new, the new company. company. So it'd be where, a lot more. Yeah. Where everyone's like, well, you don't have any in that. And they're like, no, but like we should. Yeah. We did. We got cut out of this first one. That company is this company. Like it's all just like shuffling papers around. Yeah. Um, I don't think uh, lawyers and, like, courts agreed with them. Uh, but so he's got these cousins who are super pissed at him. And he's, like, he 
three billion dollar wealth. Whoa. He's if not he's one of if not the richest person up in Canada. Yeah. He marries his wife Honey in like nineteen seventy one ish. Okay. Um and they're just they're loaded. So they give a lot of money to a lot of different causes. So it's kind of this like people go, he was this great humanitarian who gave a lot of money to a lot of special causes, but he also was incredibly shrewd. He was a terrible, like a really great businessman with terrible business practices. Yeah. Um, so people, he's this, it's this yin yang. Made me think of the yin yang twins. <laughs> that's why <laughs> my eyes. Uh, if you haven't already heard the uh, yin yang twins um, Christmas song, go check it out on YouTube. We definitely, <laughs> we definitely recommend it. And while you're at it, now that you're down a YouTube rabbit hole, you should check out their Cribs episode because that's also ridiculous. <laughs> it's amazing. Okay, so he's got this reputation. So why am I talking to you about Barry and Honey? Yeah. So in December of 2017. Oh. Last year. Last year. Uh, Honey wants to sell the house. Barry doesn't really want to sell the house. They've got this huge mansion. Okay. It's worth $6.9 million. Okay. They've got a couple pools, some hot tubs, a bunch of different rooms. It's a big old mansion up in Canada. And so it's recently gone on the market in December. And so what that means is now there's a lockbox on the door. There's a key code to get in. Yeah. They still live there. But the realtors now are kind of going in and out, showing the house yeah. and all this. So December 13th, I think I'm getting these dates right. December 13th, uh, I think they both work at the same place. They both work for the pharmaceutical company. She takes off around like 5 o'clock, a little before 5 o'clock. Barry leaves sometime between like 6.30 and 8. There's some like work emails about work that go out. So that's like the last time they knew he was alive and there. <gasps> and alive. then they both... Somebody's going to die. Barry's going to die. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so then, oh yeah, you don't know where I was where thinking Barry going. was killing a bunch of people. <laughs> no. Okay. So then, uh, that'd be crazy. A billionaire serial killer. That's why I was super, yeah, I mean, I'm still super into this, but that, I was. That would be interesting. Yeah. So, uh, Barry, so then Barry gets home. So that was December 13th. So then December 14th, I think I'm getting this right. Nobody hears from them. I think they're oh, no. radio silence. Yeah. I want to say December 15th. I could be off by a day in here. Do they have kids? They have four children. But they're out of the house? Adults. Okay. I believe they were adults at the time. Uh, yeah, because he's like in his 60s or something. So the, like a maid lady and a gardener kind of guy, like a plant waterer, uh, they show up at, let's call it, uh, eight in the morning okay 8-ish 8-30 between 8 and 9 they show up this house is so big that they clean parts of the house for two hours and don't know that there are dead bodies that they're gonna find oh my god so they're off cleaning yeah then a real estate agent and a real estate assistant have two like a couple like a prospective buyer with them so they get in they're in the house (gasps) for like 30 minutes no then they go (gasps) So they go to go to where the indoor pool is, and the assistant opens the door first, goes in, sees two bodies strapped to chairs <gasps> over by the pool, and like, bloop, comes back out, closes the door, and go, we're not allowed to go in there. What? Doesn't say anything. Calls the cops. Been like, I have to take Doesn't a phone call. Anything. No, you did. No, no, no. no. <laughs> oh my God. Goes, uh, we're not allowed to go in here. Uh, 
Within 40 minutes, they call 911. No, no, no. That's when you, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I have to take a call. Like, I understand don't let them in, but you're like, I'm going to step away for a second. Call 911. It takes 40 minutes oh, for the police to be called. Okay. So what the fuck happens in that 40 minutes? <laughs> Who knows? Can you imagine that assistant being like, and this is the ballroom. And then I, 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 so they shoot these people out of the house. They call the cops. The cops come. <clears throat> so the cops find Barry and Honey. They are in two chairs with their backs to the pool and they've both been strangled they both have leather belts around their necks yeah and the i this is what i couldn't figure out the belt is somehow i think attached to the chair like it's holding them up okay so then the coroner comes takes the bodies and like pretty quickly the police start leaking um to the press that they think this is a murder suicide okay that they think Barry killed Honey and killed himself. Okay. The kids, upon hearing this, are like, fuck that noise. No way. No way dad killed mom. No way mom killed dad. No way they killed each other. Yeah. Um, they hire this guy. I think Brian Greenspan is his name. I think that's his name. Um, and he's kind of, I think, a prolific uh, attorney up in Canada. And he's like, pulls the kids aside and he's like, you need to jump on this. You need to make sure, like, they need to quit saying that. Let's hire some, ins- let's hire our own investigative team and let's figure it out yeah so the team that they hire i don't think gets to inspect the bodies they only can go off crime scene photos and like autopsy photos and autopsy notes and stuff but they determine that uh based on the coroner's notes that the ligature marks aren't from the belts like the like the coroner the medical examiner kind of said as much as well that the belts probably weren't what strangled them and they saw in the photos that there was like marks on the wrists from being restrained yeah and then like barry's body like his legs were like it was like he was positioned they said if if even if you were doing it to yourself yeah if you were strangling yourself like you wouldn't be in a perfect yeah prim posture like your legs would be crazy um so it then it kind of, it kind of becomes established. I won't call it a fact, but then everyone's like, "No, they were murdered." Yeah. And somebody, and they also said like the way that they, they can kind of determine with ligature marks if, and again, like how can like now I kind of scrutinize a little bit when people say this, but the thinking is you can tell if someone has hung and it's just their body weight mm. that has strangled them. Or if more force than that was applied. Got it. And what they're saying from these ligature marks is that it it did not seem self-inflicted or that it was body weight um, on these belts, the way they were positioned in the chairs, that just, it didn't... It didn't match up. It didn't match up. Yeah. So now they're like, okay, this is either someone who's like super... And then there's no, like, the home hasn't been broken into, but it has this key access for the real estate agent. Yeah. Like... I mean, it's a huge house. I... I bet there's a window or something open yeah you know so they don't find anything wrong and they also don't think that they died by the pool they think that they were strangled somewhere else and brought to the pool and kind of positioned that way weird um so let's rewind time barry they they were in one of these things i read they were talking to a like a billionaire's uh bodyguard kind of per, like a security expert for rich people mm-hmm. and he was saying whenever i have clients that have pools i always tell them make sure you have a camera on the pool Oh. Because there's always accidents by the pool. Like, yeah. pools are a very dangerous area. Make sure you have a camera there. <gasps> so they did have a camera there. Oh, my God. And the camera was turned off. <gasps> no, in, no, no. In the time frame. No. Of the murders. And someone turned it back on? 
I don't know about it going back on, okay. but I know that they it had a camera. Off. Everything else was functioning fine. Ugh. The camera over the pool wasn't. So someone knew about the camera. Yes. Okay. And they knew where to go to turn it off. Yes. Okay. Or delete it or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's worth a gajillion dollars. He's in all these. Oh, so he, he like not only is he in all these lawsuits with all these like major rich companies, mm. he also has this these cousins of his who like there's audio clips of them. They're like a bunch, like at least two of them were hardcore into drugs. And like, there's so many things can get flipped either way. He paid for a lot of things for them. He bought them houses. He bought them cars. He put them through rehab. Like two of them had major drug problems. Yeah. And he got them sober. Like there's a lot of like positive influence on their lives that he's had that then they now will say he did that to keep us under his thumb. Mm. Like I didn't make my own money. Like he gave me all my money. Yeah. It wasn't my money to spend how I wanted. I'd have to be like, hey, Barry, I want to, like, start a construction company. And he'd give me money to do that. Yeah. Or I want to buy a car. And he like, but it wasn't my, like, that is my money. And he wouldn't let me have it. Yeah. And while it looks like he's taking care of me, I should have had all that money to begin with. So he's got these angry cousins who are in these lawsuits with him. And he also, like, he wrote this, uh, back in, like, 97, he wrote a autobiography, uh, autobiography of sorts. That was, like, his philosophies on, like, he does not, like, they'll, they'll quote things where it's like, hey, when you're mega rich, it's kind of your uh, obligation to take care of people and, like, be better for, he's like, fuck that, no. <laughs> why, would he, I, why would I have that opinion? But he gave that, he gave to charities. But I think all of that's self-serving. Okay. I think you do it to look to good. To schmooze. I think you and, do yeah. it for, like, there's business reasons to donate. Yeah. Um, he got in a lot of hot water with Justin Trudeau. Mm-hmm who's the prime minister of Canada. Yeah. His dad had ties with like, I think Barry's uncle. Like there was some like drug stuff that happened right when Barry was starting taking over these drug companies, some, uh, really positive to generic drug companies laws had kind of taken like, so he became mega rich because the timing was just kind of perfect. Yeah. There's a specific, like the one that people get upset about is, uh, there was a malaria, drug a, a malaria pill mm -hmm. that his company made that the canadian government used to give to canadian soldiers uh-huh and it took them i'll call it seven years at least five uh the u.s said oh we have to quit giving this malaria pill to our soldiers because it creates psychosis it creates suicidal thoughts it create like this is a very dangerous drug people are dying people yeah. are dying from taking this malaria pill we got to and Hold it in. took Canada five to seven years to say the same thing. And oh. go, oh, let's quit giving our soldiers these malaria pills. Yeah. And the contention that people have is that during that time, America has already said this, and America already isn't buying this drug anymore, that this guy, that Barry had a, like, $1,500 plate dinner uh. that Justin Trudeau came. So what they're saying is that, like, he donated a lot of money to the government, mm -hmm. to the party in power. Yeah. And this drug kept being offered to soldiers. Yeah. Is what people are upset about. Then there was this other one. He's getting sued by, uh, I think it's like a $900 million lawsuit by these 44 women because the drug that they put out, for, it was a birth control. Oh, no. Half of the pills were placebos. <gasps> so, like a hand. Wait, what the fuck? Yeah. Is that supposed to happen? No. Or? Okay, so he, he didn't. It's supposed to be regular birth control. Yeah. And for 44 women, 
it was fucked up pills. And so they all got pregnant. And so like a handful of them had abortions and said that they had abortions and were like, that's part of why I'm suing your ass. Yeah. And then the other ones were either had it and didn't say anything or ended up keeping the babies yeah. or were just like, you put me like nothing happened, but like something fucking could have happened. Yeah. Fuck you with roulette with my vagina. Isn't like, fuck crazy? you. Oh my God. I was listening to a podcast that was describing part of the story and it's all dudes on this podcast. And he's, and they're like, and oh, they were saying that it's acceptable for, they were, you can tell they're reading about it and yeah. it's saying it's acceptable for birth control to have, you know, 25% placebos yeah. versus, and they're like, what, what kind of medicine has, <laughs> like, all, like all of them Aww. don't understand birth control oh, that's super and cute. they're like you can't like uh, if i buy advil <laughs> i'm not gonna accept the 25 percent of the more placebos wait what podcast was this um it was all about millionaires so it was an interesting one because it's not a murder or a true crime like it yeah. was that so like they have no like they kept they were making really inappropriate jokes <laughs> and their whole podcast is about how millionaires and billionaires behave. Yeah. And so this was like an, an odd episode for them to do one that was on the murder, uh, yeah. the murder of this. Yeah. yeah. Like, so I just, I thought that was Five by Admiral. so entertaining. <laughs> That's awesome. One of them's like, yeah. I'm like, well, two of us are in like long-term relationships. <laughs> I'm like, I just kind of trust that she knows what's going on. <laughs> yes. Yes. We'll handle all the birth control. Yes. Yeah. No, don't worry about it. But yeah. Okay. So I'm trying to think if there's anything more to this. So the nothing is like, this was a year ago. They oh, have, nothing's happened. Nothing's happened. Jesus. They've, I think they just put out within like the last month or two, they have seven more, um, like suspects or suspects, yeah. like search warrants or whatever. So what do they think? Do they think it was for money? Or I mean, like their, list, the their, their list of potential, it's like yeah. 10,000 people. I mean, there are so <laughs> many people who would have wanted them dead. Did, did the cousins get ruled out? I mean, they're still in it. They're not, no one's been arrested. No okay. one's like defense like they're crazy isn't... they didn't have cameras anywhere else around the house or they had cameras but they places. all got to what i understand is that only the pool camera is messed up okay or wasn't on well that makes me think well depending on where other the you know the other cameras How do you get are on the ground, like yeah. Yeah, yeah is it him is it him yeah hiding this murder suicide yeah the, what i understand from the bodies is that it had to have been someone else that killed them yeah well it sounds like it with the body placement yeah. and everything and the, yeah how how terrifying to come upon two dead bodies like at the pool just sitting in a chair all proper yeah oh these that poor and those they're poor kids and yeah and it just oh geez yeah so there's it's worth there's all sorts of weird little details or just about them that are kind of interesting so if you're interested at all i do recommend looking into it yeah but it was like a big it was a big deal in canada so dude that's insane i'll be interested to follow that case and see what comes of it billionaires they yeah there's I think the family in September, maybe October, uh, there's a $10 million reward that the kids are putting up Whoa. to help solve this crime. Jeez. There's just, again, there's a bunch of leads. There's like, yeah. there's, it's just, it, it's an over, it, there's, it's almost overwhelming the options of who could have tried yeah. to kill them. Yeah. Um, but to do like. The wife and the husband, you know. Oh, okay. So there's this crazy cousin. Yeah. Carrie, I think is his name. He's the most vocal of the cousins that are upset with him. And Carrie says, he's like, uh, Barry asked me to kill Honey years ago. Was this after the fact? After the fact, Carrie is saying, oh, Barry and I were talking in his office one day and he asked me if I would kill Honey. 
And I was like, I'm not going to kill. He's like, no, not you. Like, you know the right people. You can get honey whacked. But why would that cousin be in the office? And But they would interact with each other. Like, right. that part's kind of believable. Yeah. But yeah, Carrie's like spinning the story of like, he asked me to kill his wife. Then I start, I started setting it up. Like, I knew who, like, and he what? starts saying all these super incriminating things. <laughs> and he's like, but then it kind of fizzled out and never happened. But I was, fi- but I was like, gonna, yeah, I was ready up. to oh get Oh my God, Jesus. Like, Carrie's kind of a nut job. Yeah. He has very, very interesting, like, audio clips out there. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. I want to, like, what was the name of the podcast I listened Because Grub Stakers. Grub Stakers? Grub Stakers was the name of it. Um, one of them, I'm still not convinced, isn't Dane Cook. <laughs> he sounds... Just like him. So much like Dane Cook. Yeah. And like, at no point did they say the name Dane... Like, he, maybe he's on this weird, tiny little podcast. Ooh. I don't know. That'd be fun for he him. He giggled like him. I don't, I, it sounded a lot like Dane Cook. Oh. But anyway, Grub Stakers, they've got... I saw a couple episodes like, ooh, I'll check out. There's like a Jerry Seinfeld one. Yeah, There's, yeah. you know, George Soros. Ooh, George Soros. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Just an interesting whodunit. Yeah. Oh, Jackie, that was good. Yeah. Good job. All right. We are coming back. Uh, we've made another hot toddy. I wouldn't say we made it any differently. I thought it was going to be very different the way we had talked about it. Yeah, but I didn't really look up a recipe. I just kind of like put I, it together again. I was again. imagining a, I don't know, just a, a plethora of spices. More spices? Yeah. So what we ended up doing is essentially the same recipe and we put a cinnamon stick in there and then we put a star anus. <laughs> How do you say it? I don't remember. Star I anus. remember I was reading different recipes and I texted you because you were going to get all the like weird accoutrements. Yeah. And I said get a star anus. A star star anus. Star. Whatever it was, it did not seem like a strange or a lewd <laughs> word to me. And then, what did you text back? You were like, uh, I don't want to get a star anus. Yeah, or I like, don't want like, chocolate get starfish. Get out of here. Yeah. And it did not occur to me that it could be made into a dirty, and I was in public, and I just started laughing really hard. Is it anise? A-N-I-S-E. It was a star anise. I don't know. And you turned it into anus, and it made me <laughs> laugh. <laughs> um, so I was talking to our bartender friend, Matt, and he was saying that in the biz, if you have all these ingredients, you would like kind of put everything in a cheesecloth and you put like your star anise and your cloves and your cinnamon mm-hmm. and kind of make a little tea bag and you dunk your tea bag. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you dunk, you're professionals here. Very professional. Um, you take that tea bag and you dunk it into your... I don't think we've, I don't think we've ever missed an opportunity to laugh at a fart joke, a dick joke. I mean, that's childish. the gift of life. You gotta yeah. laugh. Um, but anyways, when you let those kind of soak in there for, the I don't know. The that you're making are making it worse. I talk with my hands. Yeah, uh, you're like... <laughs> so you let it soak in there for like a minute or so. And then I think then the drink would kind of take yeah. on that spicy thing what you I've wanted. What I've gathered in talking to Matt about just a handful of drinks so far mm. is that he's a very good bartender. Yes. He mercilessly makes fun of us when we do any of the shortcuts for a drink. He came up to me during work once and like I could hear myself coming from his pocket. He was listening to our podcast and he had shoved his phone in his pocket and he stormed upstairs and he was like, Drea, 
you bought simple syrup? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, man, I'm so keep, sorry. Keep listening. We explained uh, yeah, how yeah. ridiculous. And later we make it like, oh, oh, he was so mad at us. Um, but yeah, he that just shows he should come and make our cocktails. Yeah. Yeah. They'd be a lot better. All right. All right. Okay. So again, didn't really do anything to the cocktail, but I'm... But I'm... I, I like it. I'm into... I'm, I'm four hot drinks for this season now. Jackie... Do you want to hear about a murder? I would love to hear about a murder. All right. Well, you're going to hate it after I tell you about this murder. This is like a real Drea special, like full of details. No, I only do full details on one and then I kind of tone it down. Okay. Because you, they kind of get into this routine. Ugh. Yeah. All right. So we're going to jump into this. Um, the first person I'm going to be talking about is Gerald uh, Armend uh, Gallego. And Gerald was born on July 17th, 1946. So kind of around when your guy was born. He was born in Sacramento, California. Sacktown? And his mother was a sex worker while his father was serving time in San Quentin. Home um, life. A little side fact for you. Um, in 1955, his father became the first man executed in the Mississippi gas chamber for killing two police officers during a prison escape. Wait, 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 wait. His dad was in San Quentin, uh-huh. but then somehow also ends up over in Mississippi to get mm-hmm. murdered? Yeah. So his dad's a bad dude. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he's, he, you could see how his home life is kind of shaping yeah. up. So Gerald began his criminal career at age six, and he was caught breaking and entering into a neighbor's house. Um, by, by himself or with, like, hood, like hood rat? Is he doing hood rat shit with his hood rat friends? <laughs> the video. <laughs> um, it doesn't say. Okay. I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, possibly. Yeah. Um, but age 13, he is charged uh, with sexual assault and um, rape of a six-year-old girl. Whoa. Yeah, so he's escalating real fast, real soon. So over the course of his that life... makes me think, like, sex worker mom, that there's exposure to things. Mm, yeah. I don't know. No, that would make sense. Yeah. Um, and so he's actually arrested over 23 times during the rest of his life. And, 23 uh, times? Yeah. And uh, charges include incest, rape, and sodomy, and he served time for a robbery. Dang. Yeah. Um, he worked as a bartender and truck driver between his criminal uh, activities. He also had a way with the ladies since he was considered handsome. Okay. Hot toddy. <laughs> Is that the time that he's just yeah. hot? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is this like, Izzy hot? Is there a photo? Yeah, I'll show you later. Okay. Yeah. Uh, go check out our Instagram um, and you'll see the other person also is attractive okay um <laughs> that's your time <laughs> um okay so he's considered very handsome um which probably kind of um helps him it's gotta help get in people yeah. feel weird and that someone's being creepy because of how they look yeah there are a lot of just in, innate biases that people have mm-hmm. and i feel like the attractive criminals get away with a lot more definitely yeah um i was kind of gonna go a different route with his hotness he was actually married seven times Whoa. so it helps him with the ladies yeah your face <laughs> that's a lot of times to be married <laughs> um two of those marriages were actually to the same woman so okay. you know six marriages do the, do the wives die or does he divorce them we're gonna find out Uh-oh. okay um just so um to kind of sum up all of his previous marriages, um, the girls he would marry were between ages of 18 and early 20s. Okay. Um, and then the marriages wouldn't last very long because he would become very physically abusive. Uh-huh. And so during one of his marriages, uh, Gerald had his first child, and her name was uh, Krista. 
Uh, the marriage was very short-lived, like all of Earth's other ones, and Gerald somehow was able to manage to gain custody of Krista, um, but he, like, sent her off His to live wife? No, to the, the child. Sorry, I missed that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so he gets a um, custody of Krista, but he has Krista go live with his mom for a while. Okay. While he's, like, going in and out of all these marriages. Um, so that's Gerald. So now we're going to look at Sh- Charlene Adele Williams. And Charlene was born on October 10th, 1956 in Stockton, California. Stockton. <laughs> um, she was a very smart. She was a, chi- uh, a shy child from a very supportive home. She had gingery hair and a very sharp bone structure, and she was considered very attractive. So Okay, she was also hot. Very hot, yeah. Um, so her father had worked his way up into an executive position with a national grocery chain. Charlene was uh, an only child and grew up in um, Arden Park, and she was from an upper-middle-class area of Sacramento. She had an IQ of 160. Smarty pants. And was very talented with a violin. So everything is stacking up like in her favor at this point yeah yeah she's got a mead um what is gonna derail this well she starts getting into drugs and alcohol in high mm, school um so she, this is like stockton high or whatever her <laughs> high school is in stockton. i feel like it'd be a little bit better than that considering her background and maybe yeah um but anyways if her... you don't have money for private school you don't have money for private school yeah um so her personality starts changing, and she barely graduates high school. She failed out of college, and she eventually With had... With an IQ of 160, that's... Yeah. She's just not in it. Structure, yeah. Um, and she eventually had two short, failed marriages. Okay. Um, okay, so this is where Charlene and Gerald cross paths. Okay. In the fall of 1977... At the she... Under the Sea dance. Under the Sea. <laughs> uh, Gerald met Charlene uh, and... Oh, at a poker club in Sacramento. A poker club. A poker club. Um, what year are they meeting? 1977. 70s. The prime of the time. Uh, so the two immediately hit it off and thus began the couple's like insane relationship. Is he smart too or we don't know his smartness? <clears throat> we we don't know, know his smartness. I think he has street smarts. He's clever. He's clever. He knows how to manipulate people. Okay. Um, so Charlene and Gerald are living together, uh, within a few weeks of meeting and Gerald just immediately starts controlling Charlene. He is telling her that she has to give him all of her paychecks and he is telling her what to wear. And he's also having affairs on the side with women that he's not covering up and she just has to be okay with it. Okay. Um, and then Gerald, uh, has difficulty achieving and maintaining, uh, erections and he just starts blaming Charlene for it. And he starts physically abusing her and just demeaning her. Hmm. Um, and so things start escalating. In early 1978, Gerald came home early from work and discovered Charlene in bed with a young woman who's, like, not Whoa. even 18 yet. Oh. And he went into this rage and physically attacked Charlene and her companion. Um, on July 17th, 1978, Gerald uh, raped his daughter, Krista. And um, it came out later that he'd been molesting her since she was six. Um, By July of 1978, uh, Charlene was pregnant, which uh, pissed Gerald off a lot. Okay. Um, And on September 11th, 1978, Gerald decided it was time to turn some of his sexual fantasies into a reality. So he made Charlene come with him one day to find him a sex slave. Uh Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. All right, so now we're going to start getting into the victims. Rhonda, Scheffler, and Kippy Vaught. So Gerald and Charlene are driving around when they spot 17-year-old Rhonda and 16-year-old Kippy. And we're in, like, the Sacramento-ish area? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and these girls were out shopping in Sacramento's Country Club Plaza. Okay. Gerald pulls the van over a short distance van. away. Yeah. A short distance away, and he's like, Charlene, go get those girls for me. So Charlene goes over to the girls. They're how old? Uh, 16 and 17. And she's like, hey, I have some weed. Do you guys want to go smoke? And she, Charlene looks like their age, too. Yeah, she's young and pretty. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, I'm, I, you know, I have my van parked over here. Do you guys just want to go smoke with me? And they're like, sure. And so they go over to the van. <clears throat> I can envision the whole thing. <laughs> they go into the van and they hop in the back. And Gerald is waiting um, for them with a, I've, I should have looked this up, point twenty five caliber pistol? 25 caliber pistol. Pistol. <clears throat> he has a pistol. Mm-hmm. Um, and he forces the girls to lay face down, and Gerald binds their hands and feet with it. This, this tape. is the moment, again, a 16-year-old isn't going to do this, but what I've gathered, like, how good a shot do you think he is? This mm-hmm. is the kind of thing where it's like, it's very scary. But you're he's... in the back of the van. He's, like, probably as far as I am from you, and he has a gun to you. You're in the back of the van. A man is pointing a gun to me in the back of a van. It's not going to end well. Nothing good is happening. Yeah. He's not going to be like... Let me tell you a poem, and now I'm going to let you go. That's not happening. <laughs> yeah. So I would rather struggle and try to get out of this van, get shot in the gut, get yeah. shot in the shoulder. Like, yes, it's going to hurt like a motherfucker. Yeah. But then I'm bleeding in a parking lot, screaming for help. Like, yeah. I have a chance. But that, I think that's why he's choosing fear, this I know, age. Fear takes over. Because he's already, don't know he already knows he can take over I know, this age. I yeah. Know. Um, I want everyone running and, like, potentially getting shot. Yeah. That's, I don't want them getting, you know what I mean? But yeah, like, yeah. Fight. Just yeah. fight. Get out of there. Don't go to the second location. Yeah. All right. So he has them bound up and he tells uh, Charlene to keep an eye on them and Gerald starts driving to a second location. And so once they're there, Gerald unbinds the girls and, and he takes them out of the van and into the forest. So, okay, forest. <laughs> Where is he taking them? And he's warning uh, Charlene to stay in the van. And hours later, Gerald returns to the van without the girls. He looks at Charlene and says, "Ask me no questions. I'll tell you no lies." Ew, what's that from? Is that a song? I know that it's is. Song from, oh, I should have looked that up. Ask me no questions, and I'll tell you no lies. Or it's like a little limerick or something. Um. So eventually, Gerald does retrieve the two girls, and he puts them back into the van. They're alive. They're alive. I was not expecting that. <laughs> and Gerald orders... What woods by Sacramento? Where did he take them? I don't know. Okay, go ahead. Okay. So Gerald orders Charlene to start driving to another area. Wow. Once there, uh, Gerald makes the girls walk out into a field, and then he strikes Kippy in the head with a tire iron. Jesus. And then he hits Rhonda. Finally, he shot each girl in the head. Um, as Gerald was leaving, he saw Kippy moving because the bullet had just grazed her head. So he went back over to her and shot her three more times in the head, which ultimately killed her. Ugh. Um, oh, so remember, um, I don't know if I mentioned this, but Charlene's pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, and he okay. didn't like it. So shortly after these murders, Gerald actually takes Charlene to an abortion clinic and makes her get an abortion. Okay. Um, so Brenda and... Oh, sorry. So now we're going into another victims. So we're looking at Brenda Jude and Sandra Colley. So Brenda is 14 and Sandra is 13 and they're, um, they're at a, yeah, they're at a county fair in Nevada and the couples kind of lure them away and it's June 24th, 1979 and Charlene tells them if they help her pass out these leaflets, they'll, they'll get some money from it and they just have to come back to her van to get the leaflets. And so 
they get them in the van and they take off. Oof. So Charlene uh, drives the van northeast out of Reno on I-80. In the back of the van, Gerald is repeatedly raping the two young girls while Charlene watches in the rear view mirror. Yeah. yeah, Charlene then parks uh, the van in a deserted area known as Humboldt Sink. And in mm. the next couple of hours, Gerald rested and watched Charlene uh, force the girls to perform sexual acts on each other. So now Gerald's getting Charlene to participate. Yeah. Uh, so Gerald then took a shovel from under the seat and pulled Sandra out of the vehicle, marching her toward a dry creek bed. He then stepped behind Sandra and swung the shovel. Charlene uh, would later recall the sound, describing it as a loud splat, like a flat rock hitting mud. Ugh. And the girl sank to her knees, slowly toppled over on her face. Um, Gerald then beat Brenda to death and dug a deep hole, folding the naked bodies of the two girls into um, into place and uh, had a rock placed over them as like, like a gravestone. A yeah. Um, their remains were not discovered until November 1999 by a tractor operator. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, the teenagers were listed as runaways for four years until Charlene confessed yeah. to the murders during the 1982 trial. Wow. Okay, so we're going into the next two victims. Uh, Stacy uh, Redicon and Karen Chipman Twiggs. On April 24, 1980, the couple kidnapped Stacy and Karen from Sunrise Mall in Citrus Heights. As with their other victims, the couple sexually abused them in their van and then they killed mm -hmm. them. After these murders, Charlene realized she was pregnant again, and when she told Gerald, he was actually happy this time, um, because he thought having a baby would be the perfect cover story for what they were doing in their oh, free gross. time. Mm -hmm. So they got married again. So during this whole thing, he had married her, they had gotten divorced, they had like a fight, and then <laughs> so now they're getting married again, but Gerald's like, we're going to use an alias name. We're going to use Stephen Robert Fell, and um, she's now Miss Fell. So. Okay. Um, and so now we're going into our next victim, Linda Teresa Aguilar. So on uh, June 6, 1980, Charlene and Gerald are on vacation in Oregon. And Yay. they see a young woman, Linda, hitchhiking along the road. When is this? 1980. Okay. So we're just out of the time of the prime. Yeah. <laughs> so Linda's hitchhiking. She's on the side of the road. She's actually four months pregnant. Gerald pulls over. And she's actually not his usual type of victim. She has like brown hair and the mm. other ones were blonde and a little bit younger. Um, and so Gerald pulls over and asks if Linda would like a ride. And she says, yes. And Gerald and Charlene fall into the regular routine and rape her. And then they end up killing yeah. Linda. Um, relatives reported Linda missing on June 20th and her body was found two days later, South of gold beach. The victim's skull was shattered, her wrists and ankles bound with nylon cord, but an autopsy revealed sand was in her nose, mouth, and throat, indicating that she was buried alive. Oh. Um, we're going to go into another victim, Virginia Mulch. Um, on Ju July 17, 1980, Gerald's 34th birthday... He abducted 34-year-old Virginia Mulch as she walked from the tavern where she worked as a bartender. The strange thing about this victim was that Gerald and Charlene both knew her. And they actually Ooh. went to the bar all the time. And they got drinks from her. It's a dangerous move. Yes. He's getting more and more risky as okay. we go. And so, um, anyways, Gerald um, and Charlene kidnap her. And he rapes Virginia. And he strangles her and then dumps the body um, by a nearby pond. Okay. Um, and now we're going into his their last two victims, uh, Craig Miller and Mary Elizabeth Sowers. 
Um, Gerald. Do they, they still live in Sacramento? Like they were just in Oregon on vacation, or did they move to Oregon? Uh, I believe they are still in California. They were just up there. Okay. Who knows? Maybe for a honeymoon trip. <laughs> um. But Gerald started actually becoming more and more violent with Charlene. So Charlene moved out um, in September and she started living with her parents again. And Gerald left for a bit and had like another fling on the side. But by November, he had returned and he's like, hey, Charlene, let's meet up. And she's like, sure. So on the night of November 1st, 1980, um, they borrowed Charlene's parents' car saying they were going to a dinner and a movie. Gerald and Charlene got um, very drunk that night. And it wasn't long before Gerald... um, told Charlene he wanted another girl. So they drove around looking for their next victims. Um, and during the early morning of November 2nd, Gerald ordered her to stop the car at Arden Fair, which was a popular like shopping area. Okay. And they pulled up to a young couple, and this is Craig and Mary, um, and Gerald points his gun at them. Like, just, This is different. Mm-hmm, just get in the car. So he makes them get in the car, and as they were getting in, one of their friends saw them, and they came over to talk to them through the window. And, you know, the friend is drunk, and they're drunk, and he's like, hey, what's going on? And Charlene begins shouting at their friend and drives away. And their friend was super confused and was like, this is fucking not right. And so he writes down their license plate. And he's like, I'm going to store this for later. He doesn't immediately call the cops. Yeah, he's just like, it's weird. But when they don't show up later, he gives that information do so charlene drove for a while um out into el uh uh, dorado county until gerald uh, told her to stop he ordered craig out of the car and he shot him three times in the head County, like they're headed like headed towards tahoe-ish oh really right i don't know pretty sure that's like placerville and like you're you've left sack you're like taking 80 or 50 up okay um so he shoots craig uh three times in the head and leaves uh, the body and then tells Charlene to drive to their apartment. Uh, when they arrive, he took Mary Beth into the bathroom, uh, to the bedroom, and Charlene watched TV. And when Gerald was finished raping Mary Beth, she drove the two. How fucking crazy is that? Isn't that insane? You're just in the other room watching TV. Or you're driving the car and you're looking in the rearview mirror. Like, you're part of this. You think you are. What I'm gathering is he would beat her so bad, and, like, when he would have affairs on the side, she kind of welcomed it because the pressure was off of her. Okay. Because his attention was elsewhere, and he yeah, wasn't yeah. hurting her. her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, So they um then drive uh, Mary Beth out into the country. Um, He shoots Mary Beth in the head, and he returns uh, with Charlene to the apartment to, like, get rid of all the evidence. Um, so when Gerald and Charlene returned to her parents' house the next morning, the police were there because mm-hmm. the friend had given yeah. the license plate. So Ger- Gerald just ran the fuck out. He's like, peace, I'm gone. And he leaves Charlene there to deal with the police, and um, which wasn't the smartest thing because she's not able to answer the questions and they're just becoming more and more suspicious. Yeah. Um, so Gerald decided it was time for them to run. So they drove to Reno where they boarded a bus for How Salt Lake City. How back together again? Like, why are the police letting... I think they just... I mean, the police left, you know, they don't have any evidence. To, yeah. They, all they have was a drunk guy's, yeah. you know, observation of his friends getting in their car. I understand, but I don't like it. Yeah. And you know, the whole 48 or 24 hours, I don't know, missing person. First 48. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that show. Um, okay. So they're heading to Salt Lake and back in Sacramento, the evidence is just mounting. Craig Miller's friend identified a picture of Gerald as the man he'd seen with Mary Beth and Craig. Yeah, Charlene has the license plate. Yeah. <laughs> Charlene's dad told police that Stephen Fields' real name was Gerald Gallego. 
Um, the bullets removed from Craig's, um, oh, okay. The bullets removed from Craig Miller's body matched those Gerald had shot into the ceiling of the bar he had worked at. <laughs> He's just doing a pop off in the yeah. bar. Yeah. <laughs> so Charlene is in Salt Lake City and she needs money. So she calls her parents and she's like, please, please, please wire us some money. Um, and so Charlene and Gerald. Are they like wanted criminals right now? Yeah. Well, like the parents fucking know. But the fa- the parents fucking wire her the money. They got weird parents on the line as well. I, they don't want their little baby girl to, you know, they have the star. You know what I mean? You see this beautiful child yeah. you have go down the wrong path. You want to just help them. All my friends and all my family know that I will turn you in. <laughs> I'm not going to call you. It makes some of my friends pretty upset. <laughs> um, okay, so they get the money wired to them, and they move to Denver, and then they go to Omaha, Nebraska, where once again she calls her parents, and they need more money. And they again wire her the money. Eating and abetting. But this time they told the FBI what they were doing. Thank you. So agents were waiting at the Western Union office in Omaha, and they picked up the couple without a struggle. Bow, bow. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so now we're getting into the trials. So in 1984, Gerald was tried for murder in Cal- in both California and Nevada. In both instances... I feel like Nevada's harsher. Are they harsher? I don't know. I feel like they're kind of... I mean, they got Vegas. They're kind of chill, but not chill. Harsher for murder? I don't know. All right, we'll find out. Okay, so Charlene's testifying against him, so she can get a lesser charge. Oh, actually, so she cannot get charged in California, and she agreed to plead guilty to murder and receive a sentence of 16 years and 8 months in Nevada. Because she'll do, like, 7. All right. So, (laughs) Gerald was convicted in both states and was sentenced to death in both states. Who gets to kill him? (laughs) Uh, They'll do it right on the border. (laughs) (laughs) We'll meet you at state line. (laughs) We'll meet at the, the Harvey's Hotel. <laughs> um, so his death sentence in Nevada was overturned in 1999, and he won the right to a new sentence hearing, but the new jury also sentenced him to death. Nah. Uh, while Charlene was in prison, she extensively studied psych- a psychology business. Because she's crazy smart. And Icelandic literature, yep. Icelandic literature. Uh, yeah. Underwater basket weaving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yes. Um, during an interview, Charlene claimed that she was also a victim. And, I mean, I get it. Yeah. She said there were victims who died and there were victims who lived. It's taken me a hell of a long time to realize that I'm one of the ones who lived. It is such a hard position, you know. <sighs> you were at the same time when I had those people come and talk about uh, mm. human uh, trafficking sec- and uh-huh. stuff. Yeah. Um, and they're like one of their main things is like the bottom bitch and like how do you get police to not prosecute someone who is a victim themselves even though they are yeah. aiding in all of these other crimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is. It's a really, it's a weird gray area that's hard because yeah. you've got people who really want justice, and here's somebody who was definitely involved in everything. Yeah. But then... They're only involved because oh, they yeah. didn't want to... That's when we're all, yeah. all waffle on how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, Charlene also claimed that she did try to save some of their lives. Um, I didn't read any of that, but who knows. Yeah. Um, so Gerald died of rectal cancer on July 18th, 2002, at the Nevada Prison Systems Medical Center. Hmm. Charlene was released from prison yep. in Nevada in July 1997. So she's walking wow. among us. She's just out there. She's just out there. Living a normal life. There's a couple of our murderers we've talked about who are just out there. Yeah. That's insane. 
Um, well, that's been our episode of Hot Toddies. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Killer Cocktails. As always, on our talent was Jackie Andrea. Uh, be sure to check out our Instagram at Killer Cocktails Podcast or stop by our website, KillerCocktailsPodcast.com, for up to date information, photos, contests, and more. Our logo was created by Michelle Firm, whose amazing art can be found at MichelleFirmDesign.com. Use coupon code KillerCocktails, that's one word, for 15% off your entire order. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlus, and we'll be back next week on hashtag Murder Mondays. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.